Well, good morning again, everybody. I'm so glad that you're here this morning. You know, this kind of morning, I'm not quite sure whether to say a belated Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, uh, to rejoice that the wise guys have finally shown up, Epiphany, and maybe I should just say, go dogs. How about that? All right. Well, you know, in only five short weeks, we've completed Advent. We've completed the celebration of the nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we have begun the season of Epiphany. Uh, Friday was the 12th day of Christmas, if you're paying attention, and Epiphany was yesterday. And today, we celebrate the baptism and the temptation of Jesus. Now, you may or may not have all your decorations put away and all the crumbs finally swept up, but this morning I'd like us to spend a couple of moments in reflection, thinking about the whirlpool, the winds that have blown through here in the last five weeks or so. And so let me invite you to take out that little white handout that you have there. It looks kind of like this in your package. And I think that'll help you follow along as we think through these very important events of the church calendar that we've just come through. Now, everybody knows that Jesus is the reason for the season. Christmas is the season of the incarnation, isn't it? Sometimes we forget that. The baby Jesus was born. But when you look at it the other way around, you realize it's the season that we celebrate that God has broken into, has entered into our spaces. And if you're new to the faith, you would rightly say, wow, think about that. The supernatural has broken down into, come into our plain old scientific material world. But if you're an old hand at being a Christian, you might be a little jaded. You're more likely to say, well, of course. Everybody knows supernatural things are real. In fact, heaven is constantly breaking into our space. I mean, there's Gabriel and there's Michael and the whole heavenly crew isn't there. I've heard it all, I've believed it all, and maybe if I live long enough, I'll see it all as well. But I'd like you to think through that. Just once again, Jesus did not come as a glorious angel. He didn't suddenly appear as some great king or some great emperor. Folks, he didn't even come as an adult. He came at the very bottom of the human hierarchy. He came as a baby to live through the entirety of the human experience. He knows exactly what it means to be human. In fact, Jesus is the summary of what it is to be human. Now, don't let that thought pass you by too quickly. Because this week, you are going to be bombarded, assaulted, with 500 over images that all proudly proclaim to you, now this is what it means to be a human. And as you begin to reflect on that, they leave the thoughtful person with a hundred questions. Well, what am I, really? Am I gay? Am I straight? 
Am I metrosexual? Am I caveman? Is life about strength? Or is it about empathy? Is it about wealth? Or status? Is it about victory? Maybe it's about violence. Is it about projecting that bold self-confidence? Or is it that je ne sais quoi of Matthew McConaughey as he gets in his MKZ and rides off into the sunset? God appearing as the baby of Bethlehem means just this. Jesus is the first citizen of the human race. If you want to know what it means to be human, then look at him. If you want to know who the next American idol is, well, it ought to be Jesus. If you want to make sense of your own puzzling life, then spend time reflecting on his life. If you can't quite make sense today of who you ought to be, then study who Jesus understood himself to be. Jesus is the first citizen of humanity. And he demonstrates what it means rightly to be human. Okay, now if you're with me on that point, then I would offer that the birth, the baptism, and the temptation of Jesus all have a very great significance on how you and I ought to conduct our life. And I'm not just talking about church. I'm talking about the next six days. So first of all, Jesus' birth. Jesus' birth in human flesh means that Jesus has hallowed all human activity. Proper human wisdom and righteous human activity are holy things in God's sight. They're not just earthly nothings. They are fit and they are right for the Son of Almighty God to touch, to handle, and even to taste. Think about this. Jesus' workaday life exceeded his religious life about 10 to 1. Yes, he spent three years as a religious rabbi, but he spent 30 years as a carpenter and a builder. This means that Jesus figured out how to bring God's holiness into everyday life. He did not check his life with God at the door of the synagogue as he went out. Jesus figured out how to bring God into stone and timber and animal poop. He figured out how to do it the other six days of the week. Do you remember what Jesus taught us to pray to the Father? Thy will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. And then in himself, he showed how that could happen. Now, do you see where I'm going with this this morning? It was in his everyday life, in his humanity, that Jesus made the connection between heaven and earth. So it ought to be with us. Secondly, Jesus' baptism. Jesus' baptism in human flesh set the example for human activity. Think about it. Why was Jesus baptized at all? I mean, he didn't need to be. He was setting the example for every human to follow. He showed the example of what it meant to be fully surrendered to the will of God what it meant to become fully human. Now, this morning, are you striving with God? Now, let me ask you that question. Is that how you want to spend the rest of this new year? Striving with God? Is that how you want it to go down? The fully human Jesus joined with all the others in humility and confession and surrender to show us what we need to do to be fully human. Now, there's some here this morning whose conscience is not clear. And friends, that is no way to live. There is no joy being under the burden of guilt. Jesus has shown us all what we need to do to become free and fully human. At his baptism, the human Jesus received the Holy Spirit that he might walk in the power of the Holy Spirit as a human. And if our workaday lives are to reflect the holiness of God amid stone and timbers and, yeah, a lot of animal poop, that is only going to happen if the spirit of holiness is with us. Jesus' baptism shows us that the reception of the Holy Spirit isn't just for some saints out there somewhere. It's for every single human who wants to be fully alive. At his baptism, think of it, Jesus experienced God's approval, didn't he? God said, this carpenter pleases me. This son of God become son of man pleases me. And because Jesus is the first citizen of all humanity, it means you too can receive God's personal approval. Dear friends, God wants to put his hand on you and say, this is my son. This is my daughter. I'm pleased with them.
Thirdly, this morning we read about Jesus' temptation. And his temptation in human flesh shows us that there are hard choices to be made if we're going to live God's way in our humanity. Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days. And there's no point in trying to sugarcoat it. It was hard and it was hungry. To live fully as humans means it isn't always going to be the Hallmark Christmas Channel. There will be pain, there will be difficulty, there will be hardship, and they all come with a package of being human. Not even Jesus, with all his powers, was able to escape it. Neither can we, if we're going to be fully human like he. But in his obedience, he came through it all victoriously. The human Jesus was tested by the enemy. But in the power of the Holy Spirit, as man and merely as man, he found strength to overcome all spiritual enemies by the presence of the Holy Spirit in him. His companions were wild beasts. That's also to be fully human, isn't it? You know, the lion, which is now extinct in Israel, was abundant at the time of Jesus. Think about the scene. Every day, Jesus gets hungrier and hungrier and weaker and weaker. And the lions got closer and closer. Does that sound like your office or workplace? Jesus, the first citizen of humanity, has experienced it all. But in all this, Jesus had angelic helpers. They came to minister to him. And dear friends, God wants to help you in your difficulties. He will send ministering angels when you need them. He will chase away the lions when it's time. But the example of the human Jesus also tells us this, that if we are to have those angelic ministers, there are certain preconditions to get there. Like Jesus, we must make choices to follow and obey God. We must first choose the obedience of the wilderness over the ease of the spa. We must choose God's approval over that of others and public acclaim. And we must accept the humility of confession and repentance over the pride of standing on our own self. I'd like to close with this question. 
What does God want to do in your flesh in 2018? You know, we've got a wonderful spiritual tradition here at Holy Cross. We are strong in prayer. We have wonderful spiritual growth classes. Small commercial. Yes, we have new ones right after the service. In fact, new teachers. You should be there. You know, friends, we even look for miracles to happen here at the cathedral. But as we start the new year, 2018, in very human, very earthly terms, I want to ask, will your workaday life be any different than that of those who do not know the Lord? Will our relationships be more sound because the example of Jesus has taught us what real love looks like? Will our lives be freer of debt because his spirit has taught us self-control? Will our church be stronger because our loyalty to the Father is in fact our first concern in life? That's how it was with Jesus. Will our workplace be better because we imitate a carpenter about whom they said, look, he does all things well. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, May we, your sons and daughters, find your words of approval over all that we do in our flesh and all that we say with our mouths and all that we choose with our minds in the new year 2018. Amen.